Hey, welcome to Oasis Singles. My name is Pastor Dave, and I'm so excited you're here. By the way, this site is not just about Christian dating service, reviews, and so forth, but it's also about life advice, all things Christian single. We have articles, we have interactive ways that you can get in touch with each other, and we also have podcasts that are all about the Christian life. I hope you enjoy our site, and I hope you enjoy the podcast you're about to listen to right now. God bless. Talk a little bit about debt and how you can be debt-free. But first, let me tell you our story. As you know, it was about four years ago that my wife Kelly and I, we moved from Southern California where I was on staff at a church, and we came here to start this church called The Journey. And uh, it cost us a lot to move across country. We pretty much depleted all of our savings. We came here to this uh, city to start the church with no money, no members, no place to meet. I mean, it was just starting it from scratch. And I got a job, and I began to work, and I began to pray and say, God, what do you want this church to look like? What do I need to become if I'm going to pastor this church? And all this stuff was going through my head. And in the middle of all of that, it was about exactly four years ago when God said to me, Nelson, you need to get out of debt. And let me tell you where I was at at that point. I didn't know how much debt I was in. I mean, I had no idea. I knew I got the credit card statements, and I had one credit card that had about $6,000 on it. I had another credit card that had about $4,000 on it. I got a bill every month for my doctorate degree that I was working on. I had to pay that off, and I didn't really know exactly how much debt I had. So the first thing I had to do is I had to sit down and begin to figure it up. And when I added it all up, it was almost $18,000. Now get this, I just moved to one of the most expensive cities in the world, the capital of the world. It takes all of your capital to live in this world. And I was trying to get this church off the ground. And I had all this stuff, you know, going against me and working against me. And then God says, Nelson, you need to get out of debt. Now I've since learned that the reason God wanted me to get out of debt is so that he could bless me financially so that this church could continue to be blessed financially and all of this. But I said, God, how am I going to do this? And so I sat down and put together a plan. And uh, I read some books, I studied what the scripture says, some of that I want to teach you today, and I began to put together this plan, and I thought it would take me about three years to accomplish this idea of being debt-free. But I want you to know that 22 months later, Kelly and I paid off the final bill on our credit card, and so for the last year and two months or so, we've been absolutely debt-free. And I want to talk about how this works. I want to talk about what the Bible says regarding debt. Now, I was in the zone. You remember the zone? A zone is simply an area that's uh, different than others. I was in the zone. Let's go to the God cam one last time here today in this series. I was in the zone because I was tithing. I mean, I knew that it was better to rob the credit card companies than it was to rob God, okay? So I was definitely in the zone. This is the God cam. Here I am. I was here. But my zone was really small, Because I had all of this debt, and I couldn't enjoy the freedom of the zone. Now, the reason I got in debt is because I was living out here. I was living out in the land of Ing. And I had wasted some money on some foolish things like housing, paying too much, and clothing, and honeymoon-ing, and all the stuff that I had done out here in the land of Ing. And then it caused me to get into all kinds of debt. But God began to speak, and he said, look, we want to eradicate this from your life because I've got so much more for you. And that's been one of the big themes in this series, that God has so much more blessing for you. Notice our key verse, Psalm 31, 19. The psalmist is talking to God and said, God, your goodness is so great. You have stored up great blessings for those who honor you. You have done so much for those who come to you. 
blessing them before the watching world. And I knew that God had so much more for me. And I knew that as I began this new journey of starting a journey, that God had so much more. He had all these blessings stored up. And the same is true for you. God may be blessing you financially. He may not be. You may be in a little bit of debt. You may be in a lot of debt. But the deal is God has so much more for you. And when you live your life according to his biblical principles, he will just pour out more and more of his blessings on you. And one of the big blockers, one of the big blessing blockers to getting all that God wants to give us in our life is this issue of debt. That's why Proverbs 22, 7 says, the borrower is servant to the lender. Would you agree with that? Anybody here, servant, uh, MasterCard, Visa, American Express? Some of you say, well, I'm doing better than that. I'm Discover. I get the cash back. Yeah, sure you do. 1.4 off of 22%. And, uh, you know, this is how it works. And so we're servants to that. Now, the Bible talks a lot about debt. Now, when you look at the whole of what the Bible says about debt, the Bible is not completely down on debt. For example, the idea of getting a mortgage. I mean, the Bible doesn't specifically address that issue, but because that is secured debt, secured by your house if it's done right, although we live in this real estate bubble now in the city, that maybe that's not even as secure as it once was, but the secure debt, that's not what the Bible's talking about. When the Bible speaks down on debt, the Bible is primarily talking about unsecured debt. And it's talking about these little plastic people eaters that we all have. And uh, this is one, I don't even have a regular credit card for personal use anymore. This is my debit. Don't zoom in on it too much. Uh, not that you would get too far on that. Let me just give you this number. Uh, 4332. No, I'm just kidding. Okay, I'm not talking about these kind of issues. It's talking about unsecured debt. And here in America, the average person is in over $8,000 worth of unsecured debt. Some of you are like, I'm so above average in this area. But now, how do you get out of debt? Well, today we want to put some tools in your hand. I want to give you some tools to help you get out of debt. But let me begin to develop our debt toolbox by giving you the three attitudes that cause debt. All right, now that you've found your football, you can take those with you, by the way. Those are yours to keep. And uh, then let me find your message notes. Let me give you these three attitudes that cause debt. The first attitude that causes debt is impulse spending. Just go ahead and write that in. Impulse spending. That's when you weren't planning to buy something, but you decide to buy it. The other Monday morning, I had a little business trip I was going on. I was over at the airport, and the smell of Cinnabons was all over the airport. Anybody know Cinnabons, you know? And I'm walking through the airport going, just say no, just say no, just say no, just say no. I'll have two, okay? Impulse spending. That was like $18 for two Cinnabons in the airport or whatever. I had not even planned to spend that money. Impulse spending. It's a big cause of debt. Here's the second one. The spend-it-all mentality. The, the spend-it-all mentality. This is when you determine that you're going to spend a set amount, but you end up spending all that you've got. For example, let's just say that later this afternoon, you and I, we go over to Banana Republic. And uh, you're like, Nelson, you've got to get some socks, okay? You guys, winter's coming here. You've got to get some socks. So I go in there. I have $20 in my pocket. I go into Banana Republic to buy some socks. I say, look, I'm going to spend $8. That's what it costs. I'm going to spend $8 for this pair of socks. I walk in there. I say, I'd like a pair of socks. They get it $8. The sales clerk walks over and says, look, you can get three pair of socks for $20. Would you like that? And I look at my 20 and say, yes, I would. That's what I'll do. I'll spend it all. I went in planning to spend 8 I came out broke, okay? 
and I spent it all. That gets you into debt. And now you have to go into debt because you spent what you had. And so now you've got to figure out how to get more. And the way you get more is you put it on MasterCard, Visa, American Express, those plastic people eaters. The last mentality is the one-up mentality. Talked a little bit about this one last week. If you missed it, you may want to pick up that uh, CD or DVD. The one-up mentality. I mean, this is like uh, you're, 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 you're trying to keep up with the guy at work. And the guy at work comes in, he's got one of those little iPod shuffles, you know. So you go out and buy an iPod mini, which now you have to trade out for this iPod nano kind of deal. And then he goes out and he gets the next step up. He gets the, the one that has the 5,000 songs on it. So then you have to go out and you have to one-up that. You have to get the one that holds the 10,000 songs. And he goes out and gets the one that holds the 20,000 songs. And you have to go get that U2 version or whatever. And you just keep one-upping one another because you've got to be better. You've got to be better because you're in some kind of competition. The competition that you're in is to see who can go in the most debt. When you decide to keep up with the Joneses, just remember the Joneses are broke. I mean, that's how it works. So these, uh, these mentalities get you into that. And I want you to start identifying these attitudes. And I want you to learn to develop some biblical thinking around money. Notice Philippians chapter 2, verse 3. Don't be selfish. Don't live to make a good impression on others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourself. When you change this attitude and you start realizing it's not about one up, it's not about spending it all, it's not about making the impulse buy, but it's about living God's way with my money, that's when you learn money management for zone living. And I'm going to be back in just a minute or two to talk about money management for zone living. All right, so let's talk about money management for zone living. When I decided to get out of debt, I went to a mentor of mine. I said, look, I, I'm going to need your help. I said, I need you to help me get out of debt. He said, well, what kind of plan for money do you have? And I said, well, look, if I had more money, I would have a plan. And he said, no, if you had a better plan, you'd have more money. And so he began to teach me a plan, a biblical plan for how to manage your money for zone living. And I want to teach you that plan today. And I want you to look at Proverbs 27, 23 through 24. The proverb writer, the wisest man who ever lived, gave this about money. It says, Be sure you know the condition of your flocks. Give careful attention to your herds, for riches do not endure forever. Now, whenever the Bible talks about money, the Bible always considers money to be one of the lowest levels of living. We always make money one of the highest levels of living. But the Bible says learn to manage your money well so that you can get on to even more important things. That's what Jesus said. Jesus said you should learn to manage your money because there's so much more that life has to offer. But money keeps us out of the zone sometimes. Money, when we don't get it under control, when we don't know the condition of our flocks, or if that verse was being written today, it would say know the condition of your stocks, and we don't give careful attention to what we have, then we can't get on to some of these more important things in life. So I began to look and say, God, what do you say about money? What is the biblical plan for zone living when it comes to money management? And then this advisor told me another thing. He said, Nelson, you need to learn how to manage your money when the amounts are small. Because if you learn to manage when the amount is small, then you can take that same way of thinking and use it even when the amounts are really large. So I want to start with the small amount today and teach you how to manage $10. I mean, what do you do when you get $10? Maybe you have to work an hour and you make $10. Maybe some of you make $10 a minute. I mean, I know some lawyers who make a lot more than that, even per minute. But the issue is you make $10, however you get it, hopefully legally, okay? And so you've got this $10. Now, what is $10? Really, when you think about a $10 bill, it's really just 10 ones. So I want to take these 10 ones, and I want to talk to you about the 70% principle. 
Here's what you do if you have $10. You take the first dollar, the first of your $10, and you decide that you're going to manage that in a certain way, that you're going to bring this to God. Because God gets the first 10%. Don't let the high-tech technology up here for you, okay? This is, uh, you bring the first 10% to God. This is what we've been talking about in this series. This is what the Bible calls the tithe. Now, just real quickly, let me remind you that the tithe is not just any 10%. It's not the last 10%. It's not the last dollar that you have left over at the end of the month. Say, well, if I have anything left over from this $10, then I'll give it to God. It's the first. And so we give God the first fruits. We give God the first 10. Now, why do we bring this first 10% to God? We do that so that this 90% that's left over can be blessed. Do you remember that? Pastor Kerry taught about that. He said, do you want 100% of your money to be cursed, or do you want 90% of your money to be blessed? Well, the way you get 90% of your money to be blessed is you bring the first 10% to God in what's called a tithe. Now, we talked about this a couple of weeks ago, and there's been a lot of questions about that. And we have DVDs of that message. We have CDs of that. We want you to understand this because money is so powerful. Now, on this tithe, the reason we call it bringing is because it belongs to God anyway. You don't give it. Giving is anything over and above the tithe, but you bring the tithe. And you bring it off of the gross that you earn, the pre-tax income that you earn. And you bring it to God as an offering. And you say, God, you helped me earn this. God, you gave me the strength. You gave me the ability. You gave me the life. So I'm going to bring the first 10% to you. Now, for those of you who just walked in late, we're not talking about just giving a dollar to God. That's what some people do. Some people tip God. They don't tie. They just give him a buck or two. That's why God wrote this in the scripture, Malachi 3.8. Will a man rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how do we rob you? You rob God in tithes and offerings. And a couple of weeks ago, we challenged you to give the full tithe for the rest of the year, to put this into practice, to test it. And I'm very excited about what's going to happen in our church and what's going to happen in the lives of the people in our church because to date, 404 people have taken this challenge to tithe. Because you see, it's not about robbing God less. Well, I'm going to give 3% or I'm going to give 4%. It's about not robbing God at all and giving Him the full 10%, bringing the full 10% to Him. So you get that first 10%. What do you do with the second 10%? Well, if you're in debt, the second 10% is used for that debt. You use that to pay off, to pay off the debt. Now, a lot of people, when they get to this issue of debt, they get these two mixed up. But let me ask you, would you rather rob God or would you rather rob MasterCard or Visa? Okay? You want to give to God first. If you give to God first, then he blesses the other 90%. And that way you can begin to pay off your credit debt. When I was in all that debt, I didn't stop giving to God. That's what some people do. Some people say, well, I'm in debt, and so the way I'm going to save X amount of dollars is I'm just going to stop tithing. And then they can't figure out why they can't get out of debt because God can't bless them now. And so they're always going to be stuck in this debt trap. But when you give God the first 10% and then you take the second and use it to pay off, then you're going to find that not only do you have a plan, but you also have a power behind that plan. Because God is going to bring his power to your plan so that you can pay down that debt. Now, let me talk about this issue of paying off. How do you pay off? Well, the first thing you should do is you should know the amount. 
You should know the amount that you owe. And most of us don't. It's not in your notes. You can jot this off to the side. You should know the amount. How much are you really in debt? And so you want to know that. And I didn't know that. I didn't know how much I had. I had all these various debts or whatever. Look at Psalm 37, 21. It says, the wicked borrow and never repay. One of the reasons that we never repay is because we don't know how much we owe. And so you've got to know how much you owe. Then the second thing you do is you want to pay off the smallest amount first. So you want to pay off the smallest amount first. Now, that's sort of contrarian wisdom. But let's say you have three different uh, debts, and one is a debt of $1,000, one's a debt of 5000 and one's a debt of 10000 What you do is you continue to make the minimum, minimum payment on the 10000 and the 5000 and you pay off the 1000 and then once you pay off the 1000 you take the payment you were making on that and add it to the minimum payment on the 5000 So now you're paying the minimum payment plus what you used to pay, and then you pay that down, and you work that cycle all the way down to you're totally out of debt. And then you say, God, I'm going to continue to honor you in this process. And by honoring you, if you allow more money, more tangible blessing to flow into my life, I'm not going to spend it on myself. I'm going to spend it paying off this debt. And that's what I experienced over and over. I started paying off the smallest amount and then the next smallest amount and then the larger amount, the next larger amount, all the time tithing and all the time God bringing more resources at my disposal. Now, another thing you can do here is you can make an ask of your lenders. You can ask the people who have lent money to you to give you a discount. And you know what? They will. For example, if you're being charged 19% and you make the decision to pay off that credit card, if you call them many times simply by asking, they will give you a much lower rate. Now, the person who answers the phone is not going to be able to do that. You've got to ask for a supervisor. And then if they tell you no, you ask for a supervisor. And you keep asking. And you keep moving up the course of the ladder of the credit card company until someone gives you a discount, and you will find that they will. And God can work a miracle. And I find that if you bring God this 10%, he works miracles and allows the interest rate to even come down. So you want to ask for that discount. Now, a lot of people fall into all kinds of traps with this. They get into bill consolidation, and they start using services with high fees, whatever. And many times, that actually puts you in more debt. Because the, if you don't develop the discipline to pay off the debt you have... The consolidation process is just going to allow you to get into more debt. So you've got to change this way of thinking. And one of the great ways to change that way of thinking is to join me and some of the other financial guys in our church. On Wednesday night, we're doing a debt-free seminar. And we're going to look at all different other kinds of tactics on how to pay off this. And uh, it's 19.95. We take credit card or visa uh, for the debt seminar. No, I'm just kidding. It's free. It's this uh, Wednesday night. And we want you to be a part of that because we want you to pay off this debt. Because it strangles you. So what do you do? Okay, first 10%, you bring it to God. Second 10%, you use it to pay off the debt. The third 10%, you save. This goes to savings. You save. Now, our parents, for most of us, our parents were baby boomers. They were really bad at saving. And a lot of the crisis and the things you read about that's forthcoming with Social Security and all that is because they were really bad at saving. You would think we have learned, we would have learned, but we haven't. Our generation is even worse at saving. We have less percentage saved up than our parents do, and we're on track to have even less saved up at retirement. So this idea of saving, and somehow in our uh, deal, save has become a four-letter word, and we don't use it because we fall into these attitudes of impulse spending, spend-it-all mentality, one-up mentality, and so you want to save. 
Now, the Bible gives us a model for saving. It points us to a very insignificant little creature in nature called the ant. Notice what it says. This is the proverb of the ant, Proverbs 6 through 8. Go to the ant, you sluggard. Consider its ways and be wise. You should have an ant-like approach to savings. Not an ant-sized brain, but an ant-like approach. It has no commander, no overseer or ruler, yet it stores its provisions in summer and gathers its food at harvest. In other words, it stores when it doesn't need it, so they'll have it when it does. And that's the ant philosophy. And if you practice this, then it's going to save you a lot of future trouble. So how much should you save? Well, in liquid investments, in liquid savings, you should have about three months to six months worth. And that's just in case you have a job decline or you get sick or whatever. You should have three to six months just in very liquid type savings. And then you should have as much as you can uh, in stored up in investments or stored up in capital or in future earning or in business or whatever you decide to invest in. This is not about investment advice, and you're much smarter than that than I am. But you save three to six months in liquid capital, and then you continue to invest so that you can retire or you can approach financial freedom, which is the ability to live from your own financial means even when you don't have a job. And that's extremely important, this idea of savings. While it's not in the Bible, I believe that the principle is if a person cannot save money, the seeds of greatness are not in them. That's kind of a worldly principle. You don't find it in the Scripture, but I think that's very well said. If a person cannot save money, then the seeds of greatness are not in them. And I would say if you cannot save money, if you cannot have the discipline to manage your money, then how are you going to have the discipline for even the more important things in life? Jesus said, if you can't money, manage your money well, how is he going to trust you with the more eternal things? Money's very temporal. Jesus wants to trust us with eternal blessings. So you save. So what do you do with all this? First 10%, bring to God. Second 10%, you pay off. Third 10%, you use for savings. And then a very powerful principle is you learn to live on the 70%. You live. Another word for live is the word enjoy. It's perfectly fine to live and enjoy on the 70%. And one of the reasons many of us are in debt is because we're not living on 70%. We're not even living on 80% or 90% or 100%. The reason many of us are in debt is because we're living on 110%. And so every year we keep losing ground and losing more ground. And this takes some careful planning. But if you study throughout history, not only people from the old times, but even very wealthy people from recent times, like the founder of Chick-fil-A, Truett Cathy. You know this story. I don't think we have any stores here. But Chick-fil-A company is one of the biggest success stories in American business. Truett Cathy, even though he's closed on Sunday, the biggest day for fast food sales in uh, shopping malls, which is where these stores are, He says he attributes his success to the 70% principle. And you find that throughout history, people have taught that. A lot of the modern-day books on financial management, even those that are not per se Christian. For example, I'm a big fan of the writings of David Bach. He's a financial analyst located here in the city as a radio show. He's written some great books. And even though there's no real sense that he's writing from a Christian perspective, you find these principles taught. And a secular book is even using the word tithe. Because he knows that it's inherent for you to give away 10% of your income as a sacrificial gift 
in exchange for the abilities that you have to earn. And so this is the 70% principle. And this is going to take some planning. But look at what the proverb writer says. Careful planning puts you ahead in the long run. Hurry and scurry puts you further behind. Would you agree with that? You ever feel like you're just working as hard as you can, but you're getting further and further behind. If you sit down and you do this planning, and here's the best way I know to do this planning. Sit down, determine what the amounts are, and then automate it. Automate it. While this board is pretty (laughs) low-tech, your bank has some really high-tech tools to help you with this. For example, I know exactly what day I get paid. I get paid on the 1st or the Monday closest to that if it's on a weekend, and I get paid on the 15th. And so I set it up so that as soon as that money comes into my account, the 10% pre-tax amount immediately goes out to the church because you tithe to the local church. And the second 10%, even though now I am out of debt, I send the second 10%, I invest that. And so the second 10% goes to long-term investments. If you're still in debt, you use that to pay down. You can have the check cut directly to your credit card companies. And then you can have the third 10% immediately transferred into your savings account or into your long-term financial accounts. And then that leaves you with the 70%. This automation principle. You say, well, you know, if I add it all up or whatever and I decide to automate my tithe, it's not going to make sense. Well, that's where you're leaving God out of the equation. See, when you bring God into the equation of your money and you begin to manage it his way, it's not just a plan, but there's a power behind that plan to help you pay off this debt. So here's another little tip. Hebrews 13.5. Don't be obsessed with getting more material things. Be satisfied with what you have. Now, here's the challenge for you. I want to challenge you to put together a plan to get out of debt. Uh, it may be like me. It may be a three-month plan. It may be a five or a three-year plan. It may be a five-year plan. It may be a ten-year plan. But at least put together a plan. And number one on your plan is to follow this verse from Hebrews 13:5, which is don't go any further in debt. You know the first rule when you find yourself in a hole, right? Stop digging. So make the decision to say I'm not going to go deeper in debt. So the first thing is I want to stop the bleeding. And then you put together this plan based on the 70% principle to build it out. And you say, well, you know, at this point, it seems so far away. And it did for me too. I mean, I was making less money than I ever made. I was living in a more expensive town than I'd ever lived in in the city. I had all this stuff going for me of what I wanted to do with my time and my money and trying to get the church started. It didn't make sense at first, but you put the plan together you work that, and then you do this last verse, which is the memory verse, Psalm 37, 5. Commit everything you do to the Lord. Trust Him to help you do it, and He will. And that a great phrase at the end? And He will. Let me tell you what those three words mean. And He will. That's faith. That's faith. Of having faith to say, God, I want you to be in my life, to be real in my life. I'm going to trust you by doing what you say, by following the biblical principles that I've learned, and I'm going to trust you to do it. And he will. That's faith. Now, today we're turning a corner. We're saying goodbye to the zone. And we've been talking in this series about living your life in the zone. And here's the deal. Let's go one more time to the God camp. A lot of you, a lot of you, when we started this series four months ago, you were living out here. You were living as owners of your stuff, and you were going deeper and deeper in debt. But many of you have made these decisions to move into the zone. 
This is where you can get the tangible and the intangible favor of God. And I want you to remember this image. I want you to remember God's perspective on your life and make the commitment to say, I'm going to continue to live in the zone. But today, we say goodbye to the zone. So we'll just all say goodbye to the God cam. Bye, God cam. All right. The God cam's over because we're turning the corner and we're going into one of the greatest times of spiritual growth that we've ever had in the history of our church. In two weeks, we're kicking off this series called 40 Days of Faith. And we're going to be teaching on it on Sunday. We're going to be studying it in our groups. And we're going to be asking God to help us apply this memory verse. That God, whatever we trust you with, you will help us do. And we're going to say, God, expand our faith. God, expand our faith. And then we're starting today with finances. But in this series, we're going to ask God to expand our faith about the future to expand our faith about our daily actions, to expand our faith in the friendship and the intimacy that we have with Him, to expand our faith in these times of trusting, and to expand our faith so that we can have hope, not just the hope to get out of debt, but the hope that carries on for all eternity. And I'm very excited about this process. And you know what? You can attend the next eight, nine weeks or so as we do this faith deal, but if you make the decision to get in the zone today, Imagine what that's going to do during 40 days of faith. So I hope you'll take some next steps. If you find your connection card, you can mark those. You can memorize Psalm 37. You can decide to automate this process by checking that to automate my tithing. We have a way to do that. We'll help you with that. We'll send you info on that. If you mark it, you can come to the debt-free seminar this Wednesday night. And then will you join me in being in prayer for this amazing time of spiritual growth in our church that's coming around the corner called 40 Days of Faith. Let's bow our heads together. Father, we thank you that you're interested in our everyday life. And nothing is more everyday than how we manage our money. Every day we face choices. And as we walk out of here today, we're going to face choices about lunch and about how we spend and how we invest and how we bring to you the first 10%. We're going to make all these choices. And God, we need your wisdom. So we thank you that you give us over 2,300 verses in the Bible about managing our money. Teach us to manage wealth. God, we want to live our lives not as owners, not in the land of Ing, but we want to live our lives as managers, managing well what you've given us. So teach us what to do with that first 10% and bringing it to you. Teach us a process on how to get out of debt and give us the power to work the plan that we're going to put together. And then, God, give us the self-control to save and to invest for the future and to learn the lesson of the ant. And then, God, help us to enjoy the 70%. And, God, we want to enjoy life, and you created us to enjoy life. And so we thank you that you give us the way and the path to do that. God, I pray for financial freedom for every person in our church who's in debt. I pray that you will work miracles in their lives over the next few days, months, and years as they honor you. We pray all of this together in Jesus' name. Amen.